0: Dauberstein, Senior Editor at No-Till Farmer, and welcome to the latest edition of our 2018 No-Till Farmer Podcast series. Today's program, ending continuous corn yield penalties with better residue and agronomic management, is sponsored by Yitter Manufacturing Company. I encourage you to subscribe to the series, which is currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Manufacturing Company for sponsoring today's episode. With a tradition of providing farmers' solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment in tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at Yetterco.com. That's Y E T T E R C O.com. Dealing with excessive residue can be a problem for many growers who are no-tilling continuous corn or working with other high-volume residue situations, such as increased planting populations or crops that produce greater than average yields. In these situations, accelerating residue degradation and nutrient cycling is necessary to maximize yield potential, and synchronizing the release of nutrients tied up in residue to current crop demand is the key, says Alice Vogel crop physiology research assistant at the University of Illinois will start us off by talking about the three primary factors that cause corn on corn yield penalties and why it's important for growers to consider the economic and yield impact of not managing corn residue properly. She'll also share study results from different mechanical management systems to manage corn residue in the field. While enjoying this program, I encourage you to download a PDF of Allison's presentation, which is provided on the No-Till Farmer website landing page for this podcast.
1: I'm going to be talking today about the continuous corn yield penalty. So, 15 years of research on this site, what did our laboratory figure out about that? So, continuous corn yield penalty, the yield reduction that you get when you grow corn on corn compared to when you rotate it, what is causing that? That's what we came up with here. So, we have these three primary factors that are causing this continuous corn yield penalty so residue accumulation year after year after year in corn on corn you're going to get more and more residue and then with that residue if it's corn residue you're going to have a very high carbon to nitrogen ratio. You guys have probably heard that over and over again. But once that high carbon amount with just a little bit of nitrogen hits that soil surface, comes in contact with those microbes, they're gonna start luxury consuming and making their microbial communities larger with all of that carbon, but they're not gonna have enough in for their energy. So then they're gonna start, start scavenging the soil and tying up your nitrogen Uh, nutrition and so that's where the second bullet point the soil nitrogen availability comes a big problem in our research we're trying to move the immobilization or the tie-up before when our crop needs our nutrition so that's why we're working on enhancing degradation a little bit sooner to synchronize when we need that nutrition Okay, so the top two and then everything interacts with the weather. I think you guys are all very aware of that. If you've got moisture, those microbes are gonna be happy. And if you've got the warmer temperatures, they're gonna be all over the place and you're gonna have more decomposition in general if you're in a warmer environment. So with that, we'll go into what is year after year with all of that residue, what's gonna happen if you don't manage the residue to the continuous corn yield penalty. So, question for you guys, what do you think? If you don't manage the residue, which you guys, I'm sure you're going to, you're doing something, but if you're not, what's going to happen in corn on corn for that penalty? It's going to get larger. So, showing this here, again, I want to say, if you're not managing the residue properly, it's just standard, this is what's gonna go on. So looking at this, you can see um, along the bottom we've got years in corn on corn, and then we'll have over here the continuous corn yield penalty, so that yield reduction when you're comparing corn on corn compared to first year corn. Okay, yield penalty. And then these are two different sites that are showing you, um, if you're in third year corn, this is gonna be your yield penalty. And then as you increase your yields in corn on corn, you're going to increase your penalty. Okay, but when we get up to like the seven year mark, 10 year mark, it's really just gonna be pretty bad. And that's as bad as it's gonna get. But um, That's just showing you what's going on there. And so you've got all of this residue accumulating, and that's really the big causing factor there. So residue accumulation, not only an issue in corn on corn, but also uh, conservation tillage, no-till. You're gonna have all of that additional residue on the soil surface. Also, just as we increase our corn yields, you're gonna have that as well. So this is showing you We've got our grain yield, bushel per acre, and then along, across from it, we've got our tons per acre of residue that's left out there after that grain is harvested. So this is what's going to be hitting the ground at harvest. So you get 180 bushel per acre, corn grain yields, and you're going to end up with about four and a half ton per acre of residue that needs to be managed or right there at harvest. Then, as we increase our grain yield, we're going to be increasing our tonnage. Uh, These are estimates, but I, I have the same exact data from my own trials as well. If you increase your yield, you're gonna increase that residue. And then if you wanna get the world record, the new world record of 542 bushels, which is holy cow insane, you're gonna end up with 13 ton per acre of residue that needs to be managed. So not only are you going to have a lot of it, volume impacting your emergence and your early season vigor, but also um, it's gonna have all of this nutrition tied up inside of it that you want to be able to utilize. So looking at the nutritional value of your corn residue, I have looking at nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in the corn residue at harvest. This is pounds of N, P, or K in a ton of residue, and then I put it on a per acre basis if we get a 230 bushel uh, corn grain yield. You're going to end up with about five and a half tons of residue, and so then looking at this, this is what you're going to end up, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, 100 pounds of nitrogen, 20-25 of P, and then 125 of K in the residue at harvest. So. That's at harvest and then that residue is gonna overwinter and hopefully we can be able to utilize that in some way. So we wanna manage this residue and keep it in place and we've learned that that's what you guys are doing, no till you're keeping it there. And we don't wanna remove it. And we've investigated that on this site or one of our sites. So here we are looking at either we keep all the residue, so that's retained residue management, or we're going to remove 50% of it. So crazy researchers, we go out there, we collect all the residue, we weigh it, and we put 50% back, because we're crazy. It's craziness, that's what grad students do. So that's what our different, um, either you keep it all or you keep half. And then we have two different fertility levels. So high on this chart, high is described at the very bottom, and it's basically, we added all this additional fertilizer fertility. Uh, We got phosphorus, sulfur, zinc, and extra nitrogen. So that's our high fertilizer management we did. And then we had just a normal. We just based off soil test levels, we didn't need anything, so we just put out a base of N. So looking at this, you can see that when we kept the residue and we had that high fertility, That's a fine yield, and there was no difference if you kept all the residue between your your high fertility or just your normal fertility. But with your high fertility, if you took away that residue, you did increase your yield. That's great, but you're also paying for it in fertilizer. Then, if you took away half of that residue and you just had your normal fertility, you lost a significant amount of yield, significantly more yield when you didn't have that residue out there. So really this is what pushed us towards, we wanna manage it in place and just try to utilize it as much as possible, the soil health benefits and just getting any type of nutrition we could. And so that's where we came up with this key objective. And again, just trying to get the release of the nutrition, all the immobilization out of the way before when the crop needs it for next year's crop. And so we're looking at a couple different things um, on how to do that in in the fall. We're looking at mechanical or chemical applications. So now I'm gonna go into our trial design, you know, the really fun stuff, but I'll have pictures to go along with it, so hopefully that keeps you involved. But um, we'll go go into this. So 2016 and 17 was when this, this particular trial was started. We have our two rotations. We have first year corn in a corn soybean rotation, and then we have our 15th year continuous corn. So looking at this, we have our 15th year uh, next to our first year corn in that corn soybean. So 15, and then just keep in mind, all of this is planted on the same day, it's the same hybrid, the only difference that you are looking at in these pictures is the rotation effect. And we're lucky enough to have them side by side. So here, this is 15th year. We have all that residue accumulated on the soil surface. We have firing and yellowing of the leaves. This is about R2 growth stage. And so it's run out of its end because it's all tied up. And there's plants left behind just because it wasn't able to emerge. It probably ran into some residue. Uh, so then looking at when we rotated it, we didn't have virtually any residue left by R2 um, because during the season, you're gonna have a lot more degradation with all that heat. And just moving up these plants, you don't have that firing or yellowing that has occurred over there. So just that is visually what the continuous corn yield penalty looks like, and later I'll show you how that translates into yield. Then we want to be able to manage these systems. So we're looking at some fall applications. So starting out, we wanted to look at mechanical uh, management So in the fall, we have two combine heads, one that just has a standard stock roller. It's not designed to size the residue at all, it's just our standard check. And then we have another combine head that is retrofitted with the Commer BT Chopper. And so we're the first ever research scale combine to have this, so we're pretty excited about it. And I'll show you here what that looks like. On here, again, the standard stock roll just bringing it through, uh, probably familiar with that. And then the calmer BT chopper is actually um, sizing it an inch and a quarter, busting it open, exposing the inner pith. You're getting all the oxygen, um, moisture, and microbes. You're getting that in direct contact with the soil, more surface area there. It's gotta have benefits. And I will show you in yield how it does translate. Um, But microbes are a little bit lazy, so, so are, uh, and earthworms have preferences, but microbes, they want to get to that inner pith the easier stuff to break down, and so we're allowing them to get to it faster. So that's what it looks like um, at the fall when we're harvesting it, and then now we're going to go into the next year's growing season at R2 or R3. And this is what it looks like in season. So here, I've got just my, my corn soybean, so last year was soybean, so you basically have no residue there by R3. And then over here, we've got both corn on corn, but this was the standard harvest, and then this was the size residue. So at this point, you've got closed canopy, but you, you, only have, you have very minimal residue left. And so it's basically looking like that of the rotated corn. So very visual differences, which did translate into yield, which I will show you.
0: We'll rejoin Allison's presentation in a moment, but I'd like to thank Yira Manufacturing Company for sponsoring today's episode. With the tradition of providing farmers solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planning conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer, and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now let's get back to Allison as she further discusses the results of corn on corn residue management when extract, a residue degradation chemical, was applied versus results seen with fall nitrogen applications. She'll also highlight the impact of standard versus high input farming systems on final grain yield and the ability of these systems to decrease the magnitude of the continuous corn yield penalty.
1: So that was our mechanical fall residue treatment. And then we also looked at some chemical applications for fall residue. And so down there, I've got a UTC, so untreated check. So I left those untreated. And then I'm looking at um, two different chemicals. I'm looking at extract powered by Accomplish. So this is a product that we were able to get our hands on. And I wanna show you today concepts. Okay, so we're using this and it's, it's meant to help enhance degradation of your residue, and enhanced nutrient release. So that's what it's supposed to do. There are other products on the market. So I don't want you to say, this is the only one that works, or this is what we saw, and that's it. But just keep in mind concepts here. We're trying to learn. So uh, what it is, is uh, it's a biocatalyst, and it's supposed to be simulating the biochemistry of microbes. What the heck does that mean? Basically, it doesn't have microbes in it, but it is supposed to be like that environment, so, but less temperature sensitive compared to microbes, where if you get under 50, 40 degrees, they're not active, um, where this is supposed to at least help keep that going. So that's what extract is. It also has a little ammonium thiosulfate in it, which I'll go more into the next slide. And then we looked at a fall nitrogen application. We hear a lot of producers are doing this, so we wanted to go ahead and test it out. In central Illinois, there are other studies out there in different states that have looked at this. Um, nitrogen is obviously working with microbes, you gotta have them mobile, but this is what we looked at. We looked at ammonium sulfate, we put out 200 pounds of it to get 42 pounds of N, um, and then also 24 pounds of sulfur. And then, so this is just the design, what it looked like. We put it out, um, we left the sized or standard stock roll untreated, or we applied the extract, or we applied the AMS. So here, this is showing you our application method. So this, this was a couple years ago when our our, um, Kubota was out of commission. And that is me strapped onto the back of a tractor. But I'm safe because I'm wearing a seatbelt, because safety first. So um, that's what we're doing. And this is showing you that we're applying it across the soybean stubble and the corn residue. So we're looking at it at both things. So the extract is up there. It's that blue liquid. They dye it. I actually got to go see uh, it get, being made down in Dallas. I got to go there, check it out. And um, basically it's fermented cow manure, but somehow they make it blue. So that's what it is. <clears throat> and it, it so it's a very concentrated of their product. And then they also put ammonium thiosulfate in there, um, which is a very small amount of N and sulfur. And then, When you make the applications, you put out two gallons per acre of this extract with one gallon of UAN, and we use 28%. So total, you ended up with four and a half pounds of nitrogen going out with this, and two and a half of sulfur. So that was our extract. A very little bit of N and a little bit of sulfur, but primarily their, their product. Then, you can see in the other corner, I've got some totes with white fertilizer. That's our dry, we use dry AMS and that's what we could get our hands on. Again, we're all about donations. If you're gonna give it to us, we'll use it. So that's what we used, but I mean, having um, spray grade would have been really nice too to get as distributed as possible on the residue, but that's what we had. Okay, so those were our fall treatments. We had mechanical and chemical, and then we also looked at managing these systems uh, in the spring as well. So these are the spring treatments. We have two different systems. We call one a standard uh, system, or if you could say a standard farmer, if there is one, which I don't really think that's true, but kept it simple, and then we have a high-input system, and then we look at two different hybrids, one that is tolerant or considered to be, and then one that is intolerant to corn-on-corn, and a couple years prior to this, I did research on a vast number of different hybrids, and that's where we selected the ones that we did. We characterized them. Okay, so our high input system, or our different input systems, what did that look like? So standard is an orange, a lini orange, by the way, and then we've got the blue high input system. So standard is just a base rate of nitrogen pre-plant, 180 pounds. We did not, um, we did not apply any phosphorus or potassium based off of our soil test recommendations, and then we did not apply any uh, fungicide, and then we just had a standard pop of 32,000. All of this is in 30 inch rows, everything. So that is our standard, just a base rate of N and standard pop. Then our high input system. We're taking the base rate of N and we're side dressing an additional nitrogen to get 240 pounds of N total. It's a protected nitrogen source, it's lemus urea um, and, um, to, to stabilize that, stabilize that urea. So then we also are putting out phosphorus and potassium. Soil test doesn't say we need it, but we're doing it. So we're placing the fertilizer, the the phosphorus. We're putting out 100 pounds P2O5 in this um, MAP product, a premium MAP product, I suppose. It's got a, some some extra zinc, sulfur, and in, in. So. It's about 75 dollars more expensive but that's what we're using because that's again we get our stuff for free so we test it out so 100 pounds p205 we're banning that and then we're broadcasting our potassium source again a premium source from mosaic and so i'm going to show you how we made those applications this Montag actually just built this box for us. So it's new to us. We had a different banding toolbar, but then they just built it for us. And so it's, actual, it's actually dual metering. So we can put out two fertilizers at once. We can put varied rates on the go. It's fantastic. Um, but we're basically putting it, we're, we're blowing that in and we're putting it down uh, four to six inches beneath the soil surface. And then we come and we plant directly on top of that with our, our RTK system. So we're using that for the phosphorus, four to six inches deep. And then the broadcast over here, that's, that's one of my fellow grad students. Um, you can throw us anywhere, right? Safety first, I mean, you're protected by a spreader, so you're not gonna fall out. But looking at this, uh, this is what we're doing. We've gone through with the RTK and marked out our tractor marks for the front and the back of our plots. So grad student, RTK, open, close, and that's how we're making our varied rate of application. So banded, broadcasted, phosphorus, potassium. So additional nitrogen, additional phosphorus, potassium, and then a VTR1. We make a foliar fungicide application. And so this is for Uh, foliar protection, that leaf health, and we're hoping to get a stay green effect. So more green leaf longer into the season, and we're hoping to extend the grain filling period, which would hopefully increase your yield. Okay, and then, we go. We put out 13,000 extra plants, and we plant at 45,000 plants per acre. Extremely intensive, excessive, but again, we get our seed for free, so you might as well put it out there. And so that's what we're doing. So, very intensive system, and this is evaluated over two different hybrids that I was saying, one that was tolerant and one that was intolerant to corn-on-corn. What does this look like? So here, this is to the row. This is planted on the same day, same hybrid. The difference you are looking at here is our management system. So I think you guys can tell that we have the high input versus our standard. And looking at that high input, you're you're setting it off to a stronger start and you'd hope that in the end that would set you up for better yield potential. So we're just trying to set the stage. Also, just to mention this, we have some uh, deer hunters in the group and they actually let me use their trail cam and that's how we got these pictures. I was able to follow this all the way through the growing season and I got a good time lapse on it. But anyway, if you guys are looking for something else to use your trail cam for, you can go in there and this will, you can sneak up on these pictures. So with that, those are all my different treatments. Uh, We've got the two rotations, the the mechanical and chemical fall applications and then we have the, the two different systems in the spring with the two different hybrids.
0: If you're listening to this podcast and it's got you thinking about residue management, you'll be sure to pick up helpful tips and information at the upcoming 27th annual National No-Tillage Conference coming up January 8th through the 11th, 2019 in Indianapolis. The full conference program for this one-of-a-kind event has just been released, so please go to www.notillconference.com to download the program and see what actionable no-till management strategies our speakers will bring to the table in January. Register online today for just $339 and register additional farm family members for just $312. Or complete and return the downloadable registration form by going to no To register by phone or to speak with an NNTC staff member, please call 262-432-0388 or email your questions to nntc at no-tillfarmer.com. Let's rejoin Alison Vogel now, as she discusses data collected during her study on residue degradation and its effect on available nutrients before planting, corn emergence, early season vigor, and yield under different mechanical treatments, hybrids, rotations, and high or low input systems.
1: Now, let's look at some data. Let's let's see what's going on. So we wanted to assess residue, the amount that's out there, and then we wanted to assess degradation. So how did we do that? Here we have this fancy device. I mean, before I just had duct tape and meter sticks taped together, but you can really Hurt someone with that so we decided for a day we're gonna be plumbers and we made these and so they're just a foot by a foot and then that way we collect the material in that little area uh, and we take two of those per plot and that's replicated four times in all of our 48 different treatments and you collect that material and you put it in one of those small mesh bags so those two samples you take in a plot you weigh them both right there at harvest and then one, you keep and you get your initial nutrition. And then the other one, we actually put back out in the field like that one, and we let it overwinter in the field. And then immediately prior to planting, we go and we snag that up and we, see, we weigh it again and we see our, um, our mass loss, our, our residue decay, our difference. Okay, so that's how we did that. And then I just want to take notice of that picture on the bottom. It is showing you our decay is starting um, pretty strong. It's it's got some blackened stalks there, and that's actually from our high input system. So interestingly, if you manage the crop in a way that you've got higher quality material, it has more nutrition in the residue, it has maybe still some green on it when you're harvesting the grain, um, you tend to have an enhancement in your degradation and I will show you data of that. However, the first year I couldn't get data on that, so I'm not gonna show you the first year, but the second year I will. So let's look at degradation here. Okay, so this is broken up, again, by our two favorite colors, orange and blue, and this is percent residue decay, and this is showing you um, standard standard harvest in blue and then sized residue in orange and then you've got the control no chemical applied or extract or the nitrogen applied in the fall so this this again is at planting the amount of residue that has been reduced so looking at this you can see we start at no chemical applied standard harvest we are at 43 percent residue loss. By harvest, then we applied our chemical extract. We gained two percent with nitrogen. We gained another percent, and then the big shebang here. You can see the big difference is when you size the residue. All those are significantly higher. More a higher value is better. That means more decay um, than when you had the standard harvest. But again and when you size the residue you applied extract you gain two percent and then when you size the residue and applied in you gain three more so those are some very promising results really showing you we're getting a lot of difference based off of the size of the residue and then we did have some of those trends with our chemical applications so that was 2000 and fall of 15 and then i was able to look at the next year what happens if you manage that crop that previous year, what happens to that residue? will that help things out? and that was the that was a pretty interesting finding. So at the bottom of this one, again, we're all in percent residue decay, and this one is showing you when we managed it standard that previous year compared to when we managed it in high input, we had very different values. with standard harvest in blue we we started at thirty two It was a different different fall, a little bit cooler, so it had less decay, but Start at 32, we gained 3% with just having higher quality material. So big finding here, well, it's pretty interesting because when you have high input, you notice we're gonna increase our yield. When we increase our yield, we have more residue. However, it's degrading at a faster rate. That's that's good stuff. And then again, you see the biggest difference when you're sizing the residue. So across both years, I'll show you this. We're at 45% residue decay when we sized the residue. However, when you just had your standard harvest, you only had a 39% residue decay. So that difference over the two years was 6%. That's pretty cool, that's great. So how does that relate to our nutrition and getting it and utilizing it by planting? So this is showing you uh, when we have that, all of that nutrition, we, we talked about this earlier. So this is again our nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And we're looking at when we harvest, it, had the standard harvest, or when we had the sized residue by, by planting time. So this uh, with our standard, when we just had 39% residue decay, this is our estimated amount of nutrition that's already available at planting. And then you have 6% more available by uh, planting, we use size that residue. So, might not seem like too terribly much. You're only gaining about seven to eight pounds of nitrogen and K, but it's, you're really kick-starting the process of degradation. Because once things get warm, because this is right at plant, or even prior to planting, and that's when things start heating up, and that's when your microbes are going to start to go crazy. But this is when we assess it. All right. So that was from the fall to the spring, and then now we'll go into the season a bit. So this is showing you emergence. We wanted to catch it and see what's going on. So we went out there, and in every every plot, we've marked out 10 foot of a yield row, and we went out. And it's very colorful. Not afraid of color here. I like to see colorful in the field, but we had. Um, Everybody that could possibly help helped us, but you went out and the day of emergence, you marked it with a particular color, that giving plant. And then the next day would have a different color, and that's where you get all these different colors from. So a lot of bending down, trying to actually see the little spike coming out of the ground. And this is probably everybody's favorite thing to do. Rain or shine, I I had wives in there, girlfriends, boyfriends, and then babies. Not even kidding you, I had babies helping me with this. So it's pretty time consuming at a really busy time, but I think it's pretty valuable data. So looking at that here, this is showing you percent emergence. So this is all in percent emergence on this axis this over here. And then we have days after planting. So it took about a, about a week for the, the crop to get out of the ground um, for this given year. And then I have it broken up by if you rotated that corn so corn soybean on top and then in blue is the corn on corn so you can see the first 5 days of emergence we had significant difference there and we had 5 to 25% more corn out of the ground sooner when you just had rotated corn and then we had just a little bit more overall come out of the ground when you had that rotated corn So basically you're you're starting it on the right foot when you're rotating. So that's why we have to find ways to mitigate this advantage or like help help corn on corn. Okay, so this was emergence. And then just going a little bit farther into the season, we wanted to assess our early season vigor. So here, this is showing you that. I've got the crew out there. You might be able to see this, but we've got different plots are at different heights in there. And those are showing our, our different visible treatment effects, so that's why we went in there and we wanted to assess this. Um, and we were getting uh, root and shoot biomass, so that's why we got our shovels out there doing the sampling. You can actually see on the far side, we've got our pressure washer system set up so we can clean off those roots. Um, the guy over there, he was actually a Chinese scholar who came over, fantastic worker. Uh, I got to benefit from that. And then that is actually me in my party pants there. And that is good stuff. And you can tell it's about the V6 time because during planting and early side dress applications, my arms are actually toned up in that picture. But now we will look at our early season emergence data. So we're gonna look at some biomass. So early season, trying to set that stage. This is showing you pounds per acre of biomass above ground. So our, our shoot mass. And then it's our untreated, or if it received our extract in the fall, or if it received that extra nitrogen in the fall. And so we do have increases with extract and with our nitrogen application. This could be an artifact of having additional nutrition applied. Um, But that's this is what we saw, this is what happened. And then looking at what really overshadowed this was our agronomic response. So when we had that high input system so here I've got the below and above ground material and then again it's in pounds per acre of residue the axis is much larger though we're going from zero to six six hundred and so below and above ground we had two and a half times as much material there Than when you just, or when you, two and a half times as much with our high input system compared to our standard. And so this is on a per acre basis, and even on an individual plant basis, the high input system had more mass. So, very good start, and this absolutely has a strong relationship to our, our grain yield. Now, we'll go ahead and we'll go from V6, and we're going to skip. The entire rest of the growing season and we'll go into our grain yield so this here these are our, our uh, harvest pictures over there that's i took that from the combine just the auger putting out some grain and then we actually had a, a guy his his wife's dad had a drone so we got some cool drone shots um, and so that's our t- our combine it's a two row combine and we work with four row plots and we harvest the center two rows for our yield so we don't have any border effect and then I took this picture up top so this is really interesting this was uh, about this is our sixth growth stage here about, about to harvest it so on top this is our corn on corn and then down here this is our corn soybean then this was our standard harvest and this was our sized residue so what do you think is going to yield more when you have the corn on corn standard or if you had the corn soybean sized residue? Well, let me show you. So, 2016 was the first year of the study. So, I have it broken up by rotation and then it's by the harvest method, so standard or sized. But then in the corn soybean, you see I only have standard because uh, it's the first year of the study. So, last year it was soybean, so we couldn't apply our harvest method. So the next year we got residual harvest, but this year we didn't have that. Okay, so 2016, Central Illinois had a fantastic growing season. These yields are really top notch for corn on corn. I got, in standard harvest, I had 234 bushels. When I sized the residue, I gained eight bushels. When I rotated, I gained seven more. So my continuous corn yield penalty this year, when you compare your standard harvest of corn on corn to the corn soybean, it was a 15-bushel range there. So not as large as we have seen, but it was still, it still existed even with um, a fantastic growing season. So then 2017, very different environment for me. Uh, we planted it April 25th. And then it got cold for two to three weeks, and it rained a lot. So I had some, a little bit of crusting going on, and so I have very different yields, but still decent. So looking at 2017, again, I have it broken up by rotation, and then now I've got both harvest methods. And then looking at the corn soybean, that that sized residue, uh, it wasn't from the soybean the previous year, but it was from the corn harvest the year before that. So that's a residual sized residue effect. Okay, so what's going on here? Looking at this, we had 178 bushels with our standard harvest corn on corn. We gained four bushels with sized residue. We then gained five bushels with sized residue in the corn-soybean rotation. So we are seeing responses. And then if we average across our two uh, harvest methods, the continuous corn yield penalty for this year, much more stressful environment early, it had all that rain, it was cold, getting out of the ground, and then later it stopped raining. Um, it was a 34 bushel continuous corn yield penalty. Okay, so we were able to enhance our yield with sized residue. So let's see, this, this is showing you the rotation effect, 34 bushels. Now let's look at our agronomic responses. So this, I have it broken up by rotation again, and then by our harvest methods, and then now we have it by input. So we have our high system all the way across here, and then we have the standard system all the way across this. So our lowest yield was coming from standard harvested continuous corn, and then, our highest was coming from sized residue corn soybean, looking at the actual agronomic responses within a given harvest and continuous or our rotation. our overall agronomic response for this year was was thir- or was twenty three bushels per acre last year it was higher we were up in the forty twos but just, you know, the environment plays a role in everything. Um, so 23 bushel response, very, a significant response there. And that's our agronomic. Now, let's look at the residue management. Let's see how it affected things. So here, this is showing you the, the chemical applications and the harvest methods. So all the fall applied treatments that we put out. So this, we picked, we selected the hybrid that was less tolerant to corn on corn and so it seemed to be more responsive um, to these different treatments, but the other hybrid was, it did have responses, but not as large as this, but regardless. Looking at this, we had our untreated, and then we have our extract or our nitrogen, and then our different harvests. So looking at this, we had untreated standard harvest at 175 bushels. When you applied fall nitrogen, we gained uh, six bushels. When we applied the fall extract with the UAN, we gained 17. When we sized the residue with this hybrid across rotations, we gained six bushels. When we sized the residue and we applied our fall nitrogen, we gained 10 bushels. And then when we applied our fall extract and sized the residue, you gained 28 bushels per acre. So it was very responsive, and I think it was just able to uh, get more nutrition out of the residue and just completely healthier soil. So that is our corn yield. We'll go back to our our chemical, or our applications here. So you can see that I'm not only applying it um, to soybean residue, I'm not and then just corn residue but also the corn that's part of the corn soybean res, er, uh, rotation so that corn residue received it and then I'm able to look at the soybean yields so this is the first time we've been able to do this we got our plot combine all set up for it whereas in the past the farm tree did it for us so we couldn't get this yield data so pretty exciting stuff so we are able to look at all chemical applications so this is averaged across our harvest method, and this is soybean yield, we left it no-tilled, um, and then this is what we're looking at. We had no, no chemical application, you're at 54 bushels. And then when we applied that fall extract, we gained two bushels, and then the fall in gained five. So this was pretty, pretty interesting uh, of value data. So with that, That kind of brings everything together. And uh, as we went through, we saw that we did have enhanced residue degradation with our fall treatments, whether that was chemically or sized, primarily the sizing of the residue was was doing the biggest change. Uh, And then we had um, an enhanced emergence with our first year corn, just the, the speed of it and then also overall. And then we had the enhanced early season vigor. We had a little bit of an increase with our chemical applications, but the biggest push was that that higher input system, and that really translated into our yield gains. And then our highest yield was coming from the corn-soybean rotation. So if if anything, you know, you can just rotate. And uh, yeah, I only looked at corn-soybean. I didn't, unfortunately, look at any other rotations. Okay, and then we had four to 28 bushel responses with our different fall applications, residue management applications, and then that agronomic response was anywhere from 16 to 31 bushels this year.
0: We'd like to sincerely thank Allison Vogel, Crop Physiology Research Assistant at the University of Illinois, for sharing many different options no-tillers have to manage residue in corn-on-corn systems to decrease the magnitude of the continuous corn penalty. For listeners who'd like to hear more about successful strategies for no-till practices, please visit no-tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Get Our Manufacturing Company, for helping to make this No-Till Farmer podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, feel free to drop me an email at jdauberstein at licentermedia.com Or give me a call at 262-777-2430. Once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for No-Till Insider daily and weekly email updates and Dryland No-Tiller e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with farmer spelled F-A-R-M-R and on our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For Allison Vogel and our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Senior Editor John Dauberstein. Thank you for listening.